And well, I'm ready for this work week to be over. These uh, three-day work weeks are killing me, Andrew. They're killing me. You sound like you're from Greece. What's going on, Aaron? Like the musical? That too. Mm-hmm. That too. You are all about Grease Lightning. I am. In fact, isn't, isn't that what you call your dick? And hand jive. <laughs> hand jive? Yeah. That's the little dance they do. Hand jive. You know, with their, with their little hands, a little crissy crossy. I thought that was called the hand job. No, no, no. Hand job's what you gave me in the backseat of your car, Paul. It's really <laughs> called the hand jive? You know, all my life I thought it was called the hand job. No, it's hand jive. <laughs> Look at that. It is. You looked it up? <laughs> hey, Google's there for a reason. See, so make sure only you have ask his mom about it. She knows all about hand jobs. Oh, listen to Wayne. <laughs> it's a new year. This is Wayne. Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Luke. Luke? What, yeah, I'm new. What are you doing here? <laughs> well, I, every now and again, I like to pop my head out of podcast and retirement. You know, uh-huh. keep keep the name alive. Keep the searches up on Google. We don't allow no talent around here. Oh, well, don't worry. There's no talent here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, uh, we have uh, Luke here with us, formerly of the podcast. And uh, uh, he, he, he's going to be joining us for a very special episode kicking off 2013 here at mm-hmm. Funny Books and IdeologyofMadness.com. Uh, so, New Year's Eve, what'd you guys do? It, it kind of sounds like you're going a little more professional this year, Aaron. Well, you know, you got, you, you got Dr. Luke here. He's raising the bar. The guy's got credentials. <laughs> I mean, I, I think do. we should mention IdeologyofMadness.com at least once every three minutes. <laughs> you mean IdeologyofMadness.com? Yeah, you know that that ideologyofmadness.com show or website that they mention all the time on Three Beers and a Scotch. That's right. That's right. You know, if, if the host on that mentions our website more than we <laughs> do, that's true. That's true. Wait, 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 wait. You guys are from ideologyofmadness.com? Yeah, we are from. Right, yeah, right there from ideologyofmadness.com. Wow, who would even thought ideologyofmadness.com? I got it right there in my bookmark now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have them on my uh, I have them on my RSS reader too. I mean, I always see new stuff from ideologyofmadness.com. Oh my god, my head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? The URL. <laughs> I have it set up so whenever they update on ideologyofmadness.com that I get alert on my beeper, so I can go and call in and, and get text read to me over the phone from there my you go. service. <laughs> Look, it's a stretch of a joke to start with, okay? I'm a little busted. <laughs> you you check the Luke. website from a payphone? Yeah. I'm picturing Luke has a personal assistant that his only a job is just to sit there and hit refresh on the ideologyofmadness.com website <laughs> well, waiting for something new to drop. That's exactly the way that works. <laughs> oh, that job sucks. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, haven't updated in a week. <laughs> oh, new podcast. <laughs> That's not true. Rob Hall updates stuff up there all the time. That's right. Thank you, Rob <laughs> Hall. He is a good man. And occasionally James. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what happened to that guy? 
I think I got some stuff of his I need to post. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I do have a column on ideologymadness.com. It's just on hiatus. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't your column even have a name? Yeah, it was the wizard sleeve. Yeah. And for how long it was it the wizard sleeve? Had, I, actually, had I think there were four, four or five posts at most. <laughs> I, yeah, as soon as I posted a banner for him on the, uh, the side of it. Is when he stopped posting. That is the kiss of death for uh, for our our columnists. We give you a bunch of show art and you're gone. I saw the banner and I'm like, ugh, I'm done with this. Yeah. 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 Hey, so did Jonathan Landreth with cardboard crack. (laughs) (laughs) Is that nobody was listening to that anyway? No, Jonathan is is his body washed up on shore. Uh, not too long. Ago. He's on Xbox Live now and again, but I mean, he has completely disappeared from my radar. No, that's just his roommate. That's not actually him. <laughs> he's got a year left it's, on his account, you know, his Xbox Live membership, so he's just using it. It's the hobo that killed him, and that is assuming Jonathan's ide- identity. Yeah. So, so New Year's Eve. <laughs> Paul, what'd you do? I just went over to a friend's house and uh, just kind of hung out, watched the ball drop, lit some fireworks, and uh, now, that, was, that was pretty snazzy. The, the ball drop, is that some kind of metaphor? <laughs> yes. Sounds like a euphemism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I got into a <laughs> with someone about Prometheus. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he was trying to convince me it was a genius film, and um, I disagreed. <laughs> and and what was your disagreement there? Why why did you why do you find that it was not a genius film? I feel it was a technically beautiful film with a ter- a terribly written technically beautiful film. That's how Real I feel quick. about Prometheus. Real quick, we're talking about Prometheus like 2006 where they're trying to restart the sun. What? No, that's Sunshine. Yeah, yeah that's, that's sunshine. sunshine. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's Prometheus. Is Prometheus the the n- not a sequel to Alien? Correct. Yeah. Or Andrew, not a you, are, you are fired from the Earth. <laughs> from the Earth. <laughs> from the Earth. <laughs> Wait, didn't from you used Earth. to do a movie show? From, yeah, but that's the problem. From the Earth, which about a movie, because I don't remember a movie that you don't even think is that good. Fair. Yeah, fair. Yeah, okay. So why why did you not think it was a uh, good film? Why did you think it was a horrible film but technically pretty? Well, I just think it was a very poorly written film. I think it's beautiful to look at. I think the direction is stellar, but I think that the the story problems were I, just pervasive throughout the entire film. I will say that it's one of the prettiest movies of 2012. Absolutely. It was a gorgeous movie, but uh, the the decisions that some of the characters make are just stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, it's a group of scientists who act like teenagers, basically. Well, and the whole, you know, I'm not going to wear my uh, protective, you know, uh, biohazard gear when you're in an alien area just seems rather foolish to me. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. You're saying people act like teenagers, not wearing their gear, foolish decisions. Is this like a spring break movie? Are there boobies? <laughs> it's, it's exactly what it should have been. And no, there weren't any boobies. It's uh, like Sharknado I don't, on Sci-Fi <laughs> Channel. I thought you said, I thought you said it was a beautiful movie. I would have watched that. <laughs> hey, if you guys – you might be, still be able to catch it on Sci-Fi. They're doing like a 20th anniversary like retrospective, and they, there's a long segment in there about their original movies and about how much fun it is making them. It's worth watching it for that alone because nobody there takes those things seriously. They're trying to continually top like, well, what can we do next? You know, I uh, I actually watched that that retrospective, and what it taught me was that in 20 years of the Sci-Fi Channel, the only thing I've watched is Battlestar Galactica and repeats of Twilight Zone. 
Do you remember? I've that? watched a bunch of sci-fi movies. They're bad. They're so bad. They're good, except for the good part. Do you well, remember? Like a, oh, go ahead. Do you remember that uh, there was a little sci-fi entertainment show they used to have called The Buzz? Oh yeah, you remember that? They they would do a thing when they first started was where you could call in and you know make recommendations of books, movies, that kind of thing. And I had called in and recommended a Gordon R. Dixon book, and they played it. So nice. there's actually, you know, if you could, you know, pull, I'm sure it's got a DVD box set by now for the buzz, probably a Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can hear me talking about, you know, Gordon R. Dixon's Time Storm. How are the rights checks on on that DVD? Oh, they're pretty, they're sweet, sweet. Right. I plan on retiring on those. You know, I, we're getting a little geeky here, but do you guys remember when CNET had a TV show? Oh, fuck oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Harlan Ellison. Yeah. Was that the Harlan Ellison? Was at the end of every episode with his uh, commentary? <laughs> Well, and he did the same thing on the buzz. Oh, did he? He did. He did. He had. He did that same damn thing where he. You know, I remember one where he was. He was complaining about uh, how you're not supposed to call little people midgets, and he 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 just goes rails on about how I'm a little person, you're a midget. <laughs> Harlan Ellison. He's a he's a lovely man. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I never really liked him, and then when I heard all the Penny Arcade stories about dealing with him, it made it a hundred times better. I'm like, oh, good, this guy is an ass. Oh, God, he's a tremendous ass. Oh, but if you uh, if you dig back to the archives, I can't remember what year it was, but the the uh, uh, the two guys from Penny Arcade were on a panel with him at some convention, uh-huh. and uh, he starts making fun of them, and then they start making fun of him back, and he can't he can't handle it. No, no. <laughs> No, he's he's a he's a tremendous ass. And you know, he'll talk about what a fantastic science fiction writer he is. And then you're like, "Well, but all of your books are out of print because nobody likes to read them." <laughs> so, basically what you're saying is, we'll never know. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, have, did you ever read his script because you know, he wrote City on the Edge of Forever, the Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. And you know, he always bitches and moans about how Star Trek didn't have the balls to run his script. You know the way he wrote it that it had to, that they came in and they doctored it and rewrote the script. Gene Roddenberry was involved, and you know the, what you saw on, on the screen with you know the the Guardian of Forever and Edith Keeler and etc. is not what he wrote. Well, they they uh, released it in, in a hardcover and it was called you know Script on the Edge of Forever I think, and his script is terrible. I mean it is just terrible and it is so not Star Trek. I mean he did not get what Star Trek was. Yeah, personally, even if they had changed my stuff, if I had written one of the episodes as thought of as one of the best episodes ever, yeah. I wouldn't badmouth it. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say anything about but, but, them changing things because everyone loves it. But then you wouldn't be Harlan Ellison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Paul, we got your New Year's Eve event. <laughs> oh Andrew, yeah. That's how what about we're you? About. <laughs> What'd you do on New Year's Eve? Well, you know, we didn't do anything too exciting. We couldn't go too far afield. So uh, we stayed home and, you know, with my son, we had a party and he, he conked out about nine ish, nine or ten. We got him to bed. And then uh, the wife and I watched Sherlock, the BBC series, oh, that's uh, which night. is, yeah, it's really nice. I mean, there's only, what, six episodes. So we're yeah. almost done with it. But, yeah, but they're <laughs> all like an hour and a half each. They are. It's almost like watching a short movie each yeah. time you sit down to watch one. And it's very good. I, I would highly recommend it to anyone uh, interested in it. I, I've only heard good things about it, and I can only echo those uh, those praises. But, uh, you know, stayed up to about midnight, saw the ball drop, went to bed. I'm an old man. Uh, Aaron, speaking of old <laughs> man, what did you do? Asshole. Um, I, we, we did pretty much the same. We stayed in on New Year's Eve. We had thrown a party here at the house on, on Saturday and decided that we would have a low key New Year's Eve. So, uh, 
And then uh, you guys watch Sherlock on Netflix? Actually, we watched uh, Friday Night Lights on Netflix up until uh, <laughs> you know, shortly before midnight. And then uh, this is going to be a theme, guys. I yeah, have to tell you. We, 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 <laughs> we watched the ball drop. And I mean, it was Happy New Year, kiss, turn the light off, go to sleep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm we, noticing a theme Netflix <laughs> and sleep. Because you know, we dropping. finished. We finished short like about 11.50, so we just went upstairs to the bedroom, got into bed, watched the time click down, <laughs> literally gave each other a kiss, turned the iPad off, went to bed. <laughs> that's, that's almost exactly what we did. Oh, I used to be the boring one for uh, for New Year's. <laughs> well, Wayne, what'd you do? What did you do? I killed a man. That's what Wayne did. <laughs> I killed a hobo. I, I killed Jonathan Landreth and assumed his identity. <laughs> <laughs> I killed a drifter just to get an erection. <laughs> Was it my fault that Paul hired him, of all people, to try to hunt me down? <laughs> See how that would work out for you. Yeah. Uh, no, a friend was hosting, so we went over there, and uh, his satellite was out, so we didn't watch the ball drop. We watched Clerks instead, played a little Cards Against Humanity, uh, stopped drinking around midnight, took like three hours to sober up, and got home around 5 a.m. Very nice. Sounds like a good night. Lucas, oh, bring nice. us home. Well, I'll repeat the theme. Uh, Kim and I have uh, been watching The Tudors on Netflix for the last, like, three years, just sporadically watching episodes. I and like The Tudors. Yeah, it was excellent. We finished it. Um, we stayed in just chill New Year's Eve and finished it right around eleven ten. And we're like, well, shit, we need something to fill the gap. You know, there's nothing else on. I'm not watching Jenny McCarthy on Dick Clark's dead New Year's Eve things. I, can't, <laughs> I hate that woman. Yeah. Um, so, so we tried to watch. Like, what else do I have in the queue that just been sitting around? Oh, Science of Babies. This could be cool. And then there's a baby almost dying in like the first five minutes. Like, nope. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> let's watch something else. Let's watch Nirvana. So we end up watching a um, documentary on the making of uh, Nirvana's Nevermind, which is one of my favorite albums of all time, which was excellent. And it ended about ten till. Watched the ball drop and went to bed. <laughs> that is hot. <laughs> that is hot. <laughs> the, the dead Weird. baby thing almost ruined it, but we, we dodged that bullet. <laughs> dead babies do happen to uh, to bring down a New Year's Eve party. Yeah, they do. It starts out talking about how hard the first breath is, and then they show a baby dying. <laughs> okay, you made, couldn't make you made your point. Breath. You made your point in National Geographic. Now, did they actually <laughs> smother the baby? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just to show how it worked. See? If the baby was stronger, he could push my hand away. <laughs> you know, I sometimes I wonder that if the programmers awful. of National Geographic are just the biggest dicks in the world. Like they sit around looking at the the documentaries that have been made, and they're like, "What is the most depressing thing we could possibly put on when people might be happy?" Ooh, I know. Well, yeah, but then, like, but then you know they'll show you you know. You know, little baby dying, and then look, hey, pandas! Everybody yeah, wants pandas. We thought, we thought, hey, science of babies. It's forty minutes. It's got to be. Right. It's going to be interesting. Nope. <laughs> I don't know what happens after the first five, <laughs> but I'm never going to either. <laughs> <laughs> I will what? say this: hats off to that. If you guys ever watch some really cool National Geographic stuff, um, they they do a bunch of series with Jared Diamond uh, covering a lot of stuff from his books. If you've never read Guns, Germs, and Seal, the miniseries on it is phenomenal. It's huh. also good if you've read Guns, Germs, and Seal, which I think everybody should, but it's a, it's a great miniseries. Well, you know, uh, Luke puts me in mind of, of what I think is a fantastic idea. Instead of Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve, it's Dick Clark's zombie New Year's Eve. Yeah, I, why was it still Dick Clark? Like, Because it's it, a brand. I guess so. It's a brand. I mean, but did, did you know, you know, remember when we were kids, Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve started at 1030 or 11, and now it started at 7 Central. <laughs> I'm like, 
really five hours of Dick Clark of dead Dick Clark. <laughs> and literally it was dead Dick Clark because they kept showing, you know, clips of him, you know, Dick Clark yeah, I, couldn't be here tonight because, you know, he's dead. Dead. But here's yeah. a, here's a picture of him in 52. <laughs> here's he here's the choices. Entertaining. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't understand the fascination of Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve. Even when Dick was alive, I don't understand the fascination with it. Well, towards you the just, end, it was t- towards the end uh, of his show. It was just to check in and see how little he had changed from the previous year. That's right, because you know he he, he bathed in the blood of virgins. Right. You just don't so love you, Dick enough, Aaron. That's the problem. Yeah, you just gotta love Dick. Whoa, that's that's whoa, what you gotta do. <laughs> you can say a lot about my friend Aaron, but you cannot say he does not love Dick. <laughs> that's true. That's true. What have I always hey, but, said, Andrew? Gotta love Dick. That's right. Gotta love Dick. Aaron Head. You know, speaking of National Geographic series, though, I gotta, I gotta chime in. I don't know uh, if you ever, have you ever seen this World's Toughest Fixes on the Nat Geo channel? No. Okay, it features my, my son. Oh, yes. Of all people, to turn me on to this. Uh-huh. It features a guy named Sean Riley, and he just goes all around the world doing some of the most crazy repair heavy industrial stuff that you've ever seen like the first one i saw was i sat down and there was this oil rig out in the gulf that uh, one of the uh, thrusters had gone out and they're not easy to replace and so they're out there uh, you know a tropical storm comes in and they're trying to take these massive thousands of pounds of pieces of machinery out from underneath one of the the, the load bearing you know pillars take it out and replace it. it is just wild there's one where they're replacing interstate bridges and they're replacing them fully built so they have these giant bridges already built that they're bringing these giant movers to come in and put onto the you know the final supports already built. It's huh. it's wild to watch. I mean, there's one where they're uh, uh, the pressure seal around. Uh, I think it was a 767. They have to replace the pressure dome uh-huh. uh, around it without tearing apart the whole uh, plane because it has to get up and start flying. <laughs> It is. There was one where they're up on the Alaskan oil pipeline, and they're trying to fix that. There's one where they're on a Mississippi River barge. Uh, there's one where they're up doing these high voltage power lines that are hundreds of feet up in the air uh, and are live. Um, it's Show it's pretty cool. Awesome. It reminds me of the old uh, extreme engineering where they would do things like uh, you know how do we build this bridge when we've only got about a month a year where the water's not frozen. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he found it on uh, Netflix. You know, he watched some other reality type, you know, engineering shows, and it just popped up in his suggestions. He started watching it. But there's even one where they go to the Large Hadron Collider of all places. Ooh! So it's on Netflix. At least it was uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, so I was checking it out. Was the Hadron Collider one? Yeah, you know, they broke the universe and they had to fix it. It was the one where you know Doctor Dinosaur had shown up and uh-huh, had uh, yeah. time evolved the uh, yeah. Kilosaurus Rex, and they had uh-huh. repaired the damage done by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you speak of? Stuff. Repairing and whatnot. Did you guys ever watch The Colony when it was on Discovery? Just a yeah. little. Yeah, I watched that the show, first season of it and loved it. Yeah, same here. I love the first season was fantastic. I never watched the second, but uh, if you can find the first one, it's pretty cool. the The premise is that it's the the apocalypse in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles, um, in Los Angeles, and they uh, <laughs> they pick a handful of people to basically start. A, they, they give them this this shelter, and they basically go from here. See how you guys are going to survive, and they send like gangs after them and stuff. And it's pretty contrived, but it's still pretty cool. It's fun to watch. Yeah, you learn, uh, you learn a lot of really cool little things like how to filter water and some of the, you know, even though a lot of it was staged and, a, you know, it was very situational, 
there was still some really cool information in it. Yeah, and you also learn that if you have ten people, you probably only need two of them to really survive. You know, the ones with skills that matter. <laughs> the engineer and the mechanic. <laughs> yep. Well, the yeah, the, the crazy old engineer and the mechanic. That's all you need. Everybody else was a waste of food. Oh, you want to? <laughs> you want us to build a gym? Isn't the world kind of a gym now? What? I don't understand what you're. Uh, anyway. Well, but if you're going to be a colony, don't you need a more diverse uh, genetic uh, makeup than ten people? Only if you want a second generation. <laughs> Isn't that the goal of a colony? I don't know. Yeah, it depends to, on the to, colony. To colonize. Well, it'd be great if they actually would have been, been become like the evil colony. Be like, we need to procreate, so we need to start kidnapping people from other colonies <laughs> and put them in the uh, put them in the baby camps. I like know? it. I like it. I think it's horrible. I think it's colony the next generation. <laughs> I'll go pitch that to Discovery and see what they think. Please do. Colony the next generation baby camps. Meanwhile, I'm going to pitch to uh, CBS Los Angeles. <laughs> That's good too. I, um, the I Los Angeles. The uh, the baby camps thing. I'm I'm watching. Uh, I'm working way through TNG on Netflix just very slowly from season one, uh-huh. and I forgot oh. that every every Ooh. second she can, Tasha Yar mentions the rape camps oh and my the God. rape gang. <laughs> I mean, really, the you know the the next generation is coming out on Blu-ray right now. Mm-hmm. And you know they're they're going in and cleaning up all the all the video and whatnot. And while it's beautiful, I mean they they've really done a spectacular job in cleaning up the video. It's still season one, <laughs> and no amount of digital correction is ever going to make up for the fact that it's terrible, terrible season one, next generation. I oh, still God. don't know why anyone liked Tasha Yar. I no. really dislike that. Character. Well, because she posed nude, and you could pick up nude pick nude photographs of her at conventions. Because she talked blonde, about she. She talked she about br- rape camps. Yeah, she talked about rape camps. She brought that problem to the forefront of <laughs> She um, seduced data. That's right. Oh, she did, doesn't she? I forgot about yeah, that. He is oh. fully functional. Adversed in multiple forms of pleasure. That's right. I'd be more impressed if she seduced lore. That'd be way better. <laughs> I would I would pay to watch that. Well, I, I think you can. I think that's actually some uh <laughs> sex. Yeah. Well, if you want, if you want the worst of season one that I've seen so far, it's the, the episode where they introduced the Ferengi, and it's the oh, first God. shot of the um, the view screen on the bridge, uh-huh. and it is like eight times bigger than it is in the rest of the series, right. and and Picard looks way, it's zoomed in so close to the Ferengi that you can see nothing but his head, and Picard looks so tiny in this back <laughs> shot of him. It's like this is just awkward to watch. I, I feel like I'm watching the the uh, the Star Child scene of 2001 here. This is crazy. <laughs> Well, I think that that nothing improved Next Generation more than when they gave them flare collars on the uniform. <laughs> I mean, with the, the miniskirts was a big step up. <laughs> yeah, I, I do enjoy the men in the miniskirts and uh, Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I think Encounter at Farpoint is an exercise in stamina. That thing feels like it's like sixteen hours long. <laughs> it's been it's endurance. Only like an hour and a half. It's a test of endurance. Well, you know when when they were releasing the it's, the new Blu-rays, they they were doing some uh, Encounter at Farpoint at movie theaters. You, know, you could go and see it in the movie theater, and I was like, and you know, I I did that when they had uh, Battlestar Galactica. You know, when they had uh, what was the the uh, ma- the made for TV movie that they did with uh, Pegasus? Awesome. Uh-huh. I can't remember the name of that. That was, it, but it was the it was the the Pegasus, Razor. Razor. yeah, Razor. And so I saw that at the movie theater, and that was awesome. And so my friends are like, "Hey, they're doing Encounter at Farpoint at the at the movie theaters. You want to go?" Good God, no. 
<laughs> you know, no. In fact, you know, I'm a completist, but my uh, my Star Trek: The Next Generation Blu-ray collection will omit season one. <laughs> well, you know, I, think beard. <laughs> I think they're doing a season two showings of, of Next Generation. They I are. Think are are about to come around. They are. So you're gonna see those? I might, because I, I, I think one of the episodes I actually like. They're gonna show. <laughs> they're the Star Trek talk. So, so I don't know if you guys are familiar. Um, you probably are by now because it, it, just about everybody is. But the Red Letter Media reviews, Mr. Plinkett's reviews of Star Wars and Star Trek, if uh-huh. you haven't seen those, they are amazing. Um, when I did the podcast review, that's who I was imitating, if anybody listened to that. Uh-huh. Um, he, uh, but yeah, he, he spends an hour tearing apart everything that's wrong and making it hilarious to watch. Um, and just watching him go through the Star Trek and being like, where does Picard come from here? The bridge isn't built like that. That's not a turbo lift. And then, <laughs> but it's uh, it's inspired a lot of inside jokes. We have uh, there's a guy who pops up when Picard says something stupid. It's like, uh, Captain, that's not right. You, um, so that's worked its way into every RPG campaign since when something <laughs> was wrong. It's like, uh, Captain. Anyway, Red Letter Media, watch it. Yeah. Yes, I loved his reviews of the movies. Those were particularly good. His first contact review is absolutely stellar. It is great. You know, all this Trek talk <clears throat> reminds me that, Aaron, sir, I saw the nine minutes the other day. Did you? Of Into Darkness, yes. How was it? I thought it was awesome. Was it? Um, no spoilers here, um, but uh, the first half of it feels very much like an episode of Fringe. Um, in just at the way it was filmed, the music, everything. It's like, okay, I'm watching an episode of Fringe, you know, which, again, is created by J.J. Abrams. And then it flips over to um you know the 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 typical trek crew that we know and love um but it it is it is an awesome awesome nine minutes um awesome to see an imax i was surprised it was actually in 3d uh i thought it was just going to be imax but it was actually imax and 3d uh the footage so you uh saw it on the hobbit yes yes you know i i went to see the hobbit uh last week and saw it in imax saw it in 3d and did not get the nine minutes Really? Yeah, I got I got a Star Trek trailer, which was different than what I've seen online, uh, but it was not the nine minute piece. And of course, wow. I got the Man of Steel trailer, but both of which are things that I'm immensely looking forward to into 2013. But uh, you know, I I, I as I'm going to get all the way up to uh, you know Man of Steel and Star Trek 2009, and then whether or not I stay on Earth is is, is a big question. We'll have to see what else is coming out. Well, you got to hear Star Wars after that. Good year for movies <clears throat> next year. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right, Paul. Star Wars is coming, so I, I guess I can hang around for that. Wait for the trailer, at least. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, so, I gotta I mean, say, oh, go ahead, Luke. Oh, I was saying, I gotta say, putting a bow on 2012 for me was that video that made its way around of the outtakes from Dark Knight Rises with the guy who does a perfect Bane voice, and then redoing several scenes, and it is hilarious because the Bane voice ruled the first half of my year and then kind of faded away. <laughs> and then to see it kind of brought back at the end just put a real capstone on 2012 for me. If you've, if you've not seen that YouTube video, it is stellar. Huh. Huh. I think we I've should uh, try to link one... that on ideologyofmadness.com. On oh, ideologyofmadness.com? <laughs> yes. Made on, uh, on where? I think it's ideologyofmadness.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like uh, seven minutes, and the guy does a perfect Bane voice, and they just reinterpret scenes. Um, basically, the bat, uh, the, the best joke in the whole thing is the the bat um, plane copter, whatever they call it in the movie. Um, whatever the it plays up, it plays the Mortal Kombat soundtrack everywhere it goes. 
I find that personally hilarious. See, I saw a great video on YouTube right around Christmas that was the Bane, Batman, Talia scene at the end where you know she reveals that she's Talia. And it was this whole bit with uh, Batman in the grumbly voice saying, but we had sex. <laughs> and it's just this whole hilarious thing where, uh, you know, basically they're trying to, to bash him. He just keeps going on about the horrid sexual acts they did. Just probably six minutes of pure hilarity. <laughs> you know, in, in, in terms of Batman over the holidays, I got tickled with the idea of, uh, you know, Christian Bale Batman recording a uh, Christmas album. You know, with uh, Jingle Bells, Batman Smiles, Bungle Nerd. <laughs> that was tickling me throughout the holidays. But I was drunk a lot, so I... <laughs> apparently, apparently. Well, if you, if you like that, the uh, the video I mentioned has the, the one of the best bits in it is during the stadium scene, he turned into Bane's, uh, Bane turns into a freestyle rap, and he calls out anybody in Gotham to come beat him. And it's, it's really good. <laughs> so... That put a capper on your 2012. And, uh-huh. you know, Look, we were talking. 2012 was terrible. I didn't need much of a capper to say goodbye to the But, you know, 2013's here. We got a bunch of stuff coming out in 2013 to look forward to. You know, we talked about uh, Superman, Man of Steel. We talked about Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, Luke, as our guest, what 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 are you excited about in 2013? Geek geek related. Don't don't oh. we don't really care about the personal stuff in your life. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who does really? Um, uh, the biggest things besides, I mean, pretty much the movies we've mentioned, I'm I'm pretty excited about. I've uh, there's some stuff I've kickstarted in the last year that comes out early this year, like uh, or even late, like Wasteland Two should be out by the end of the year, possibly. Um, 13th Age will come out RPG-wise, which I'm kind of excited about, and uh, Vintaculture, a couple board games. Um, honestly, I don't – other than that, in movies, I haven't really looked that far ahead in 2013 to see what's on the horizon. Um, like I said, 2012 was – the last few months were just a mire of crap. So it's kind of like, well, let's hope it gets better in 2013. So looking forward to you know not being in a mire of crap and uh, – <laughs> And hopefully there'll be some cool video games coming out, too, that I can play, because I do love my video games. Oh, I am excited um, about um, – this is not related – this is mainly geek-related, but I think Andrew's the only one who plays tabletop games. But uh, uh, the Dark Angels Codex is coming out for 40K here real quick, which I am super excited about, um, because I got I, – I basically gave up podcasting again to start playing miniature games, and I've been playing a lot of 40K. And it's so you're mainly around your orc still? Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, Dark Angels will be my... I, I wanted to do an Elite Force after having my Horde. Your horde. Works. Yeah. yeah, so I want to do Deathwing is what it boils down to. And since they're getting a new book, it'll be really overpowered, and I'll be able to beat people really easily with it to start with. It'll be great. It'll be fantastic. It, and Aaron, do you know where you can go to, to learn more about Luke's Orphan? <laughs> <laughs> do do well, you know? I, I, I know that he has a site. It's called baddeployment.com. That's right. Bad, baddeployment.com. Yeah, the uh, most of my miniature stuff is is focused there now, although it is not updated in a while because um, – I for suck. Various, Yeah, well, it's not just you. It's me too because I haven't been able to play or paint much because my, my foot's been – I've been having trouble with my foot. So you getting downstairs to paint – Is it like my yeah, left foot? It is. That's how I paint. That's why I paint so <laughs> terribly. But I, I refuse to do it any other way. It's how I learned. That's how I grew up. And you know, There's something to be said for tradition. Uh, right. Um, so uh family but, values uh, 
But actually, there there will be a ton of updates coming because there is a gigantic campaign taking place across multiple stores here in St. Louis for the for at least the first part of 2012 or 2013, and that's going to be the the hub of we're trying to collect everything and uh, make it make stories out of it and battle reports so that the, the campaign has kind of a storyline to it. So it should be pretty awesome, actually. That nice. sounds very exciting. I'm pretty. There's like I think there's like 25 players in wow. it. And like I said, we're playing um, – we're doing – for anybody who's familiar with Warhammer 40K, mm-hmm. we're doing Abaddon's 14th Black Crusade, the next one. Um, so it's Imperial versus Chaos, and then all the Xenos, everybody else just kind of on the fringe with their own goals. So it's big and it's awesome. Cool. And we'll see if it collapses in a month or if it'll last. But I didn't make the <laughs> rules for it, so it's not my fault if it collapsed. There you go. I'd say, I'd say based on my experience, you got 50-50 shot. Yep. Well, they, they started to overcomplicate things. They added stuff in beyond the base rules. We're already using two different game systems, Battlefleet Gothic and Warhammer 40K, which I already think is trouble right there. On top of that, they're adding in some extra stuff. I'm like, no, this is getting too complicated. This is yeah. We need this to be simple. But anyway. so Aaron, so, what are you looking forward to in 2013? You know, I, really, what I, what I said, I'm 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 looking forward to Star Trek uh, Into Darkness and uh, very much the Man of Steel. Well, uh, let me tell you what I'm looking forward to. Get it, Andrew. It's tell called me. Iron Man Three and Thor Two. Ah, <laughs> ah. Yeah. No, Thor Two it's, comes out next year or this year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2013. Ooh. Thor: The Dark Worlds. Yeah, I'm, that's right. I'm, there's there's a there's a lot of geek film coming out this year, and I'm I'm excited about that. Hopefully, it's way better than Thor one. Hey, easy. I like Thor one. Whoa, whoa! Tell you what, I love Thor. He's one of my favorite characters, and Thor one was like, what? No. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Well, we we're not here to argue about that. No, or are we? That's right. <laughs> we're no. gonna let you say it as many times as you want. So what? When Tim comes back, he can rant about it. That's true. Well, and, and Aaron, Aaron can just edit you out, too, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I'm also looking forward to – there's actually a couple of things I kick-started that, uh, that are be going to be coming out. There's a World War II card game called Upfront that I'm excited about. There is the Reaper Kickstarter, which should be delivering more miniatures than I'll ever paint yeah, to my that, front door. Yeah, Reaper Kickstarter is redonkulous. It, I, I we're splitting it. Two, me and another guy are splitting it. It is still a ridiculous number of models. Um, and then probably finally, uh, what else am I looking forward to? I'm just looking forward to spending more quality time with you guys. I'm looking forward to Rainsboro Sick Day and Rainsboro Weekend. Don't forget Fear the Con. What six? We're up to six. I think it's twelve. Yeah, I think it's twelve. <laughs> twelve. Yeah, Fear the Con. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Wade, what are you looking forward to? Uh, besides all the movies that have already been hit on, Oz the Great looks good. Oblivion, oh. World War Z, Wolverine, The Hobbit Part Two, all superheroes must die. And all the other movies you guys mentioned already. I feel like he's running through a list. I, yeah, I got my list too. ready while I was waiting. Did you bring crib notes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I've got the internet in the background. Uh, I'm really excited about more Rainsboro. I can't wait to get playing. Uh, Kickstarter-wise, I backed a bunch of stuff, but I I have no idea when any of it comes out. Probably nothing I'm getting will be anytime soon, except for Honey Badger Barbecue Sauce. <laughs> oh, did that make? Oh, that made. Uh, when, when, the, uh, is that pro- when is that projected to arrive, Wayne? I have about two months before it shows up. As soon as it does, though, I'll have the pictures out to everyone, see the nice Honey Badger bottle that it comes in, and now, did you kick in at the gold level to get the really fancy one? I didn't. I just kicked in the uh, the lowest level to actually get a bottle of it. 
Gotcha. Well, I, you'll have to tell us how it is. And it's filled with craft barbecue sauce. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest after we use the barbecue sauce my wife makes her own anyway so yeah. we'll just keep refilling it with our own but I wanted that bottle sure the bottle I is kick, pretty cool I just kicked added into the kickstarter just to get the bottle so Paul yeah. what are you looking forward to so no one's looking forward to fast and the furious part six uh, Nope. I am not no, no. I'm not I am I, I think I, I am I don't drift anymore so my interest is low. He gave up his drifting. Yeah, his speed racing. Uh-huh. Well, since none of us mentioned comics, <laughs> I will I will mention some comics I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to the Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, uh, Superman, Man of Steel series. That should be coming out later this year. I'm I'm dubious about this. I am not. <laughs> Why are you dubious about? Well, because this? I really like Scott Snyder, but I just don't think Jim Lee is that good of an of a penciler. I know, and, I, and I know that you and I have, have disagreed on this before, but I just don't think that he's that good. So I'm going to – I enjoyed Hush on the strength of the story, uh, and Jim Lee was the illustrator there. So I'll give Scott Snyder a, a shot on this. Yeah, I mean I'm, I'm, look, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, there's a bunch of new titles coming out this year, Marvel Now stuff that I'm interested in. You know, There's still plenty of uh, Marvel Now titles that haven't started yet, like the new Uncanny X-Men series and – you know. Um, we're going to be probably getting into it a little bit more later, but uh, the Superior Spider-Man, mm-hmm. definitely interested in that. Um, uh-huh. I, I I said interested. I didn't say excited. But uh, <laughs> huh. uh, Jeff Lemire on Green Arrow. Starting oh, yeah. I am actually looking forward to Lemire on Green Arrow because Green I... Arrow has sucked in the new 52. Well, Jeff Lemire is so good. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And I love what he's done on uh, Justice League Dark. Because unlike you, I am not a huge Green Arrow fan. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't have history with it, but I, I am hopping on it just because he's going there. Yeah, you know, uh, Andy Diggle on Action Comics. Diggle, Diggle. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis on Guardians of the Galaxy. That's going to be hot. Ooh. And uh, Jeff Loeb on Nova. Well, and the Star Lord one is coming as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Kieran Gillen on uh, Young Avengers. So lots of just lots of titles. I'm just looking yeah. forward to. Um, I think 2013 is going to be really great for comics. And, you know, these are just titles that have been announced within the next couple of months. You know, usually we don't know more than two months out what's coming out. Um, well, and you're, so. you're probably excited about Black Kiss 3, too, aren't you, Paul? Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Paul is a huge, huge, you know, Howard Chaykin fan. Yeah. The, the <laughs> huge. Huge. Yeah. As we know from uh, as we know from New Avengers run, uh, he loves. Howard <laughs> well, and he he lo- he loves porn comics. So uh, yeah, you know, so, you know. The, the the more uh, you know, the more of that kind of action that Paul can get, the better. Yeah, Way the to hit the penis in the comics, the better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why you liked uh, what was it, Neon Cthulhu? <laughs> Neonomicon. Yeah. So with Cthulhu penis. Yeah. <laughs> That's Paul's thing. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not looking forward to. Oh, Comixology downtime. Comixology downtime. What the hell? So Comixology went down this Wednesday. So what day of the week is Wednesday for comic fans? New comic, comic book day. day. Yeah. Yeah. So when the premier digital comics retailer goes down for a good portion of the afternoon, you know, it makes it a little difficult to read your new digital comics, does it not? That does make it difficult. And, um, you know, in addition to that, I've had some issues with them as of late. I've had books that I've downloaded that didn't work, so I needed to email customer service. Oh, really? Um, including 
Amazing Spider-Man 700. I Ooh, input my digital really? code, redeemed it and everything, did not show up in my Comixology feed. I had to email them, and they had to manually add it to my library. Wow. You so know, have your problems with books been primarily through redeeming the digital code, or has there been other, like, not working just from buying it directly from Comixology? Well, this downtime is probably the second time in the last month that I can think of that they've experienced some server issues yeah. related to downtime. So, I mean, it. no, in, in fact... um. Most of the times I've had issues with digital comics uh, has not been based on a redemption code. No, okay. actually had no problem with that. Um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, I own a Kindle Fire, and Amazon isn't the comic distribution business now themselves, uh, and uh, they have all DC's books. And the only thing keeping me from from basically giving them my business is the fact that I don't want to house my comics in different apps. Right. Um, but you know the comicsology thing has been kind of frustrating me, for me as of late. Huh. Well, I can. I mean, that does sound frustrating, and and I I sympathize. But I I certainly have thankfully not had those problems. And yeah, I, I I downloaded my DC books first thing Wednesday morning this week, and then got my uh, Marvel books in the evening. I guess I missed the the down window because I didn't I didn't experience any delays. Yeah, I don't usually PM Eastern for a couple of hours. Huh. So, I don't usually get oh, good. Oh, no, I was it's not a frequent thing, but I've I've had multiple issues with them in the last month, and it could just be the influx of people getting iPads and Kindles and digital comics and stuff like that in the last month. Um, I just hope they have put together, uh, you know, an infrastructure to support the uh, the added demand lately, because I I would I would really hate to to bring my business elsewhere because I just I love digital comics because of the convenience, but when right. it becomes inconvenient. <laughs> You know, then then we have an issue. Well, I think you know, anytime using technology, there's going to be issues. Whether you're playing, you know, a video game on your computer, you're you know streaming Netflix through Netflix through your Xbox. Wow, can't talk. Or you know, you're downloading digital comics. There's always going to be times where there's going to be glitchiness and, and issues, tech issues. But I mean, I look at Comicsology and I see a way that's really introduced a lot of people into the hobby. It's so convenient and easy. People are carrying around all these devices anyway, and it's a great route instead of finding their obscure, hopefully good, but possibly horrible local comic book uh, store. It's, it's a quick and easy way for people to get into it. No, absolutely. I agree. Comicsology has done a ton, at least in my opinion, for the media, for the medium of comic books. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that it's there. I, I just, I've had some issues with them lately. I hope to turn, I hope it turns around. Um, you know, but like you said, it, it's brought a lot of new folks into the hobby, or brought folks back into the hobby, like our special guest today. That'd be me. Thank you, Comicsology. <laughs> so, uh, tell us a little bit about you know why you know you, you got back into comics because of Comicsology, or you know how did that work out? Yeah, I got an iPad uh, for Christmas uh, last year, back in uh, 2011, and uh, it was a surprise. Like usually, I know what I'm getting mostly, and usually it's clothes because I buy everything I want. So except for clothes, so I usually get clothes from everybody. Um, but um, uh, my dad just surprised uh, my sister and I with with iPads. Like, well. You know, I don't even know what to do with an iPad. Like, I, I don't know how I'll ever use this. And then, of course, in the last year, it's become almost indispensable to me right. um, as as tech will. And, you know, going through some apps, I was like, oh, Comixology. Let's check that out. Wait, I can just buy comics here and read them? Oh, they're, my, my first thought was, oh, a lot of these are still really expensive. Then I'm like, but I don't have to go anywhere. So <laughs> if I don't have to put on pants, it's a good day. It really is. So. 
so uh yeah that's just um and then that coincided with the marvel rpg coming out from margaret weiss um and i really enjoy that a lot and i knew the first event was civil war so one of the first things i did was well the civil war compilations here let's just let's pick up that and some of the surrounding books and see and and I was off to the races again. I, okay. I'm going to stop you here for just a second. Uh-huh. Who was right, Captain America or Iron Man? Oh, um, man, it's that's a tough call because I hated them both by the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a speedball was right the whole time, I okay. think, is what, the, what it boils down to. Um but yeah, that was a uh, that was my reintroduction because I'd read when I was a teenager. I was I was a huge Marvel fanboy, and I got out right around. I think the last big event that happened was uh, what, what was was the second Infinity was it Infinity Crusade or Infinity War was the second big Infinity Gauntlet series. I believe it was War. Was yeah, I think one. yeah. Paul War. Our, Paul is our resident uh, Thanos Infinity Gauntlet guy. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I, I, Infinity Crusade was the one with the woman. Yep, that's it. That. I, I, I was I was in for war. War was the last thing I think I read before I was like, okay, I think I'm done for a while. And then sporadically, you know, I've picked up some of the good books over the years. Like uh, I I've picked up a ton of trades of Walking Dead um, from almost the beginning. Uh, Bone. Um, every now and again, I picked up the hardcover from Planet Hulk because I'm like, this looks awesome. Um, but I really didn't keep up with the continuity or all the events or anything like that. So, um, so the uh, Comicsology app made it nice because I'm like. Oh, what event was this year? Oh, well, here's all of it right there for me to buy in order if I need to. So that's good. Well, I, uh, you know, listening to Paul and Wayne talk about the current Superman story, Hell on Earth, I haven't been reading it. In fact, I, I read the preview and that was about it. And I've discovered something in the Comixology app that it, it tracks the story arc as well as the title. Uh-huh. So, you know, if you buy the first oh, nice. piece in the story arc, it'll say you can read the next thing in the story arc. And that was nice because I, I got caught up on the on the whole Hell on Earth thing over the weekend. And uh, I love that I could track it because, it, you know, it's, it's going from the Superman title to the Superboy to Supergirl and then back. And so it tracks it all the way through there. So it, it directs you which comic to buy next. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. I like that. I, I think that's smart well, technology. I tell you what else really really changed the way I actually read comics was um, I'm a super fast reader. I, I just always have when I chew through books and I do this. I've always did, did the same thing with comic books. I really didn't pay much attention to the art. I'd read the word bubbles, make sure I understood what was going on, just kind of go on. Um, their little guided view thing. Uh huh. It's pretty I actually cool. Pay, I actually pay yeah. it like that. I do that every time now because it's the only way I pay attention to the art. It's it's really changed how I actually look at the the medium itself. Well, and it's guided nice. Being- view is what finally won me over to reading anything digitally because I hate reading through PDF or any of the other forms. Yep. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I just have a hard time doing it. It doesn't feel right. But with the guided view on my, uh, you know, either on my Nook or on the computer, either one, it actually adds something to the reading experience. Mm-hmm. I agree completely, especially like the really big splash page where you might have some a uh, little uh, dialogue up top in each of the corners, and the way it kind of goes back and forth, then zooms out to show you the full view. I'm like, it's it's more cinematic, actually. It's kind of cool. Do you find yourself getting frustrated sometimes with the way they do the guided view? In that you know you 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 it scans you from panel to panel to panel, and maybe it'll show you the full page. And you'll say, well, you really should have, you know, tightened up on that. There were a couple of different, you know, guides that it could have provided to you to, to make a, a, a more impactful page. Yeah, I, I, I don't think. 
I don't think it's perfect. And I, I, I actually will find my – a lot of times I will, after I've read a page, if I realize it's kind of a, a big – if it's a big scene, I'll zoom out to, to take in the whole right. thing mid, midway through and be like, OK, that's what's going on and then zoom back in and – continue well you know i'm real curious to see what some of the scripts look like because you know like mark wade who who writes you know very specifically for the digital medium i'm sure he's providing a lot more guidance on on how to scan the page versus the guys who are writing for print and then it gets scanned in because i'm wanting to know who's making those choices is it the comiXology tech or is there somebody from the publisher going no no do this you know um Something interesting. It's a book we're not going to talk about this week, but uh, all new X Men number five came out this week. I have it ready. Yet. No spoilers. I won't spoil it. Okay. I won't spoil it. <laughs> Sorry, but um, it includes the letters page mm-hmm. in oh, the did digital they scan copy. Through? Yeah, they they did the letters page in the digital copy, but not with guided view. Yeah, and see, and I sent them a note. I said I I I pinged them on Twitter about that that they need to guide guided view the letters column. Yeah, because that was very. Fr- I was I was kind of excited about it because yeah. you know letters columns you don't really get those much nowadays and not, not in digital comics at all yeah well and it, um, when they do the when they do the essays you know uh you know and they'll do like sketch pages at the back of the book or something i want those to be guided view as well you know mm-hmm. i wanted i wanted to track me through and you know give me the scalable text and whatnot uh, like you said, this will be off topic because you, um, you're not going to talk about it this week. But I'm only following a few, really, a few books these days on Comixology because it is like you know, if I don't get the 99 cent sales, it's you know I'm not paying four bucks a pop sure. for stuff I can wait for. Right. But um, I've always been a gigantic X-Men fan. I mean, that was my book, and the all new X-Men. Uh, I had to go back and reread a bunch of see what happened. Like, wait, why does Wolverine own a school now? What's going on? Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, just reading just the premise, and then uh, that's one of the few things I'm actually reading and excited about because that is such a cool concept. Given that, that Cyclops is such an asshole these days, right. <laughs> you know, one of the things I was doing for a while was DC releases what they call sneak peeks every week, and it's the you know it's a actual portion of every digital comic that they released for that week, maybe you know three or four pages of it, but it gives you an idea of what's in the book. When the new 52 started, I did that every week to figure out what I was getting. I would have never bought Aquaman if I hadn't read the sneak peek of it and saw just how amusing it looked. Um, I will say that Guided View has actually turned me off on a few books because I am paying more attention to the art. Oh, yeah? Which books? Uh, well, you guys have I've just throughout the years have been really big on like the whole artifacts thing and Witchblade. And I'm like, you know, that stuff was just starting when I got out of comics last time. I don't know anything about it. Let's... You know, I'll check in and see. And the I picked up uh, one of the compilations for artifacts, and I like the idea. Like, it just, this sounds really cool. But the art, I can't stand. I just cannot. I get so confused about what's going on most of the time. And really, it's a painted art. Yeah, it's or just the digitally painted. However, it's done. It is not. It does not do it for me at oh. all. See, that's one of my favorite aspects of the books. But I will say, um, some books, regardless of their availability digitally or not. I, I still prefer to read on paper. Um, uh, the ones that are truly art focused, like like Aaron was talking about, Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Recently, I think the Flash is formatted similarly, and to a certain extent, even the current run on Superman by Kenneth Roquefort. I think their art is not digital friendly. I think it's just too busy for a digital format. Yeah. For, well, at least in my opinion. Well, and like you're saying, you know, Batwoman, which is by uh, you know the artwork and and um words are by J.H. Williams the third 
right? Is that right? J.H. Williams III? That is correct. Okay. Um, and he, I mean, he is clearly drawing for a print space. I mean, it, I mean, he is painting for a print space and trying to read that digitally is a pain in the ass. So certainly better print versus digital. So did you, Luke, read uh, Amazing Spider-Man 700 digitally? I did. I've re- actually read all the Spider-Man I've caught up on digitally. Oh, great. So that kind of brings us to the to the main topic of today's show, which is Spider-Man. Um, you know, the, the, a big, you know, big Spider-Man news lately, you know, Amazing Spider-Man 700 uh by when you're listening to this um this week, uh Superior Spider-Man number 1 will be out in comic shops. First issue by Dan Slott, art by Ryan Stegman. Stegman and, Stegman. So we wanted to take a, you know, a little bit of time before we get into the superior era of Spidey to kind of talk about what we love about the character. Um, you know, 700 is a is a long time. 75, what was it? No, what, what did he just celebrate? 50th anniversary, yeah. right? 50th anniversary of Spider-Man. Um, so, you know, started, starting the new year talking about, you know, one of our favorite heroes, Spidey. So... You know, Luke, you, uh, what brought you into Spider-Man to begin with? I mean, was it a character you were interested in from your previous days reading comics? Or you know, how did you start with Spidey? Luke? Did I lose Luke? No, no, I was muted. Sorry, oh. my bad. Um, <laughs> no, Amazing Spider-Man was always one of my, my books. That I mean, I followed all of them back in the day. That spectacular, you know, I, I followed Spidey through every kind of crap. There was, I think, one of the first... Ones I actually, when I started collecting, I still remember it was uh, it was Nova and Spidey versus the the Tri Sentinel. Uh, yes. the, co- the cover was just awesome. I'm like, this is cool. That was uh, Mark Bagley. That- oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, and Mark, Mark Bagley, love that book. And then I got, uh, and then I there was a kind of past the era where Venom was introduced, but it was right when Carnage was, and I loved the symbiotes. Like that was. And I just I, I love Spider Man. I thought I always thought it was weird, and I, I'm glad this kind of came up, you know, later too. That like, why the hell is he married? Like, why did they write it this way? Like, he'd be so much better. He's supposed to be the everyman. Why is he out there dating along with everything else? That'd be so much cooler. Um, so I got out of the last Spider Man stuff I read years ago was uh, right when it was pre Clone Saga. They were just starting to talk about his parents again, and I'm like, ah, I'm done. Um, so. When I looked to get back into comic, when I looked at the Comixology app, I think on one of the Marvel Monday 99 cent sales, there was um, something was – I picked a random Amazing Spider-Man. I'm like, oh, this seems cool. And I read it, and something referenced Spider Island. I'm like, well, what's Spider Island? So I go back, and I started reading Spider Island, and I couldn't stop. Like it was everything I remembered loving about Spider-Man. Yeah. Like the the quips, the the, the adventure – um, the way other heroes reacted around him. I mean, I bought, I've bought everything that was story arc related on Comicsology to Spider Island. Even the the Kung Fu stuff, which ended up Ooh. being st- stupid, Ooh, bad. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. terrible. Bad. But the rest, but the rest of it was really good. Um, with Hercules getting his powers and then ma- and making fun of him by being all mopey with the the whole responsibility thing. Um, when Hawkeye gets spider powers and can't handle them, like, and them all making fun of how. They all hate working with Spider-Man. I'm like, because of all the quips, like this is like, it was just golden. I got really excited. And then I saw that 700 was coming out and I'm like, well, that's going to be a big thing, right? So I, I skipped ahead and read some of the stuff leading up to it. And then I went back and read everything in between. <laughs> so I, I became a bit of a fan. 
<laughs> and, and and it was amazing what like I had to go back and find out like okay why aren't Mary Jane and he married anymore I heard something with Mephisto so I had to go back and look up all the old story arcs see exactly why he's working in a lab now and J. Jonah Jameson's mayor instead of head of the, of the bugle like but I got caught up and it was cool and I, I liked where it was like him working on doing the science stuff on top of the Spider-Man stuff I it, like it seemed like a perfect marriage like it was it was really fun to read everything yeah, I mean, Dan Slott has done a magnificent job ever since he's come back on as one I jumped back on. And, and his Spider-Man is is definitely my Spider-Man. Don't you imagine that they're, when they were sitting around the table talking about Marvel now and all the writers are talking about, we're going to switch up. You know, Bendis, I'm going to take your, your Avengers and, and you take my X-Men and all of this conversation about, you know, s- s- you know, rotating chairs and whatnot. And, you know, Dan Slott's probably sitting there going, um, I really like what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, and, and and you know his his sales have supported that. I mean, you know, Spider Man's bigger now than he's been in years. Don't you imagine that that was kind of a, a tight conversation? I don't want to move. Y'all can't have my Spider Man. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, uh, he seems to have a great passion for the character. He does. He does. It comes through. And I mean, even even you know some of the storylines that I've not cared for, like Alpha. Um, Ugh, I, I don't he, think I can't imagine <laughs> Alpha was his idea. I I just. I don't – in my heart of hearts, I have no knowledge, but I just have a feeling that Alpha was something that was inflicted upon him. You know, and when it came to the Marvel Now stuff, this might as well be a Marvel Now book. I mean, I don't know if they're considering it a Marvel Now they book are. or not. But, I mean, he's completely changing direction, changing his own storylines. You don't need a new writer. He's capable of doing it himself. Yeah. So, Wayne, what was your uh, entry point into Amazing Spider-Man? Well, I'd read a bunch of one-off issues here and there. I really got into the old 90s cartoon when it was on. When I first jumped in and did a a full run of Spider-Man, though, I remember the very first issue was Revelations Part 4, the final total end of the Clone Saga, the death of Ben Riley, and the, you know, the return of Peter as Spider-Man. And I've gone back and bought more Spider-Man before that. But before that, you know, I was mostly reading X-Men titles and Superman and things like that. That's what really got me into Spider-Man was that era of Osborn is back. Osborn owns the bugle, constantly messing with Peter all the way up through the late 90s before I took a break and came back, you know, recently afterwards. Right. Paul? Well, I kind of got into Spider-Man back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Really, as a result of Spider-Man and his amazing friends, uh, those friends were amazing. They were amazing, um, and you know, as a result of it, you know, I, I kind of got into Spider-Man around the time of Craven's Last Hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got into him before then, but the the first storyline I remember reading vividly, and because it had such an impact, and still is probably one of my favorite Spider-Man stories of all time. Um, was the J.M.D. Mateus and Mike Zek, Craven's Last Time. Oh, it's a good book. Story. I mean, just still one of the best Spider-Man stories of all time. Um, and so I I, I, I kind of started reading Spider-Man from there. And, uh, you know, be, some of my favorite Spider-Man writers are guys like J.M.D. Mateus, who wrote Spider-Man for a long time. You know, and it kind of continued through the 90s, um, you know, with um, – the, his run on Spectacular Spider-Man with art by Sal Buscema. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Conway wrote the book for a little while. Um, and of course, on Amazing Spider-Man, you had guys like David Michelin uh, doing the story. And you had, uh, I didn't get into the McFarlane stuff so much, but I loved Eric Larson. 
um, Eric Larson's run on Spider-Man, which was followed by Mark Bagley. Right. And, uh, you know, Mark Bagley was on the book for a good long while. Uh, you know, and you had guys like Cardiac and, you know, you had the return of Spider-Man's <laughs> parents and stuff like that. And I did fall out during the Clone Saga, oddly enough, um, fall out of Spider-Man. And I kind of got in sometime later when they did another relaunch where uh, Peter Parker had stopped being Spider-Man and someone else had taken over for him. Um, and it was uh, John Byrne had taken over the book. Uh, I think he had taken over writing and art on one of the books and just writing on the other book with J- uh, John Romita Jr. was the art on it. I mean, it was just, it, it was, I don't remember who actually was under the mask, but I, I remember it was thing like, who is Spider-Man if it's not Peter Parker? Right. So, you know, it's kind of funny because you get, and I think that was around the late 90s. Wasn't it when the that character happened. that eventually became Aranya? I know it was a female under the mask that time. Yeah, I think it was. Actually, I'm sorry, the story was by Howard Mackey, um, and the art was by uh, John Byrne. Uh, but, you know, John Romita Jr., I think, was doing Thor at the time. I remember in the first couple of issues, they had a, a crossover. And it's just, yeah, you're right. It was a female under the suit. And I think she was kind of padded to look like a man. And, um, <laughs> and I, I kind of started getting back in then. That's when Mary Jane supposedly died in a, pl- in a plane crash. And, it, and it's just, I, I've been a fan of Spider-Man all my life, really. You know, even through the J. Michael Straczynski stuff and, and modern day. So... I, I I'm I'm gonna pass over the buck to uh, to Aaron. You know the year was 1977. Oh Lord, the that was month the year. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> I was. The, the month was June, and the issue was Amazing Spider-Man number 169. The cover was by uh, Al Milgram, and it was this great cover with uh, Peter Parker in the foreground with. Uh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson holding up these pictures of of uh, Spider-Man with uh, uh, the dead clone uh, of Peter Parker and you know the body of the clone thrown over his shoulder and and Jameson saying Peter Parker I know you're Spider-Man and I have the photos to prove it and it's called Confrontations written by Lynn Wine and it was my first Amazing Spider-Man book now it wasn't my first Spider-Man comic my first Spider-Man comic was one of those old Electric Company Spidey Super Stories books <laughs> you know and you know those were written for for children and whatnot and I, I remember. Uh, Holding the Spidey Super uh, Super Story book in my hand one day and looking up on the spin rack, yeah, spin rack, and uh, seeing the Amazing Spider-Man book, so I grabbed it and you know immediately ditched the Spidey Super Stories and uh, was Amazing Spider-Man from then on out. And it was this great story because you know it had the the Spider Slayers and it would eventually like five or so issues later would introduce the Punisher. Um, it's fantastic. Absolutely loved uh, those issues. Well, my first oh, my first exposure, uh, the first comic book I remember reading was Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number four, uh, which came out in March of 97. And uh, it was penciled by Dave Cockrum and Keith Pollard. And the micro was Mike oh, Esposito. Love Keith Pollard. Love and, Keith Pollard. Uh, so and this was the uh, uh, oh, what was it? It was uh, the Vultures of Bird of Prey uh-huh. uh, was the storyline. And it was in. I got to admit. I still have it somewhere uh, in a long box, but I haven't read it forever. Um, but I remember that 
the vulture was kidnapping people, putting them up on these tall skyscrapers, taunting Spider-Man to come out and fight him so he could get his revenge against him, uh, which Spider-Man eventually did, and they got in a big fight. And the vulture was on the verge of victory when a mob hitman hired by the by a mobster the vulture had rung showed up to kill Spider-Man and deprive Vulture of his of his revenge. No. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, but I can't say I started collecting at that point. You know, I was very young at that point. I would just kind of like Aaron, I'd pick up an issue when I saw it in the spin rack. And, and I'd get, you know, I sometimes I'd get the webs of Spider-Man, sometimes I'd get the spectacular, sometimes I'd be the amazing. I'd just, I would just pick up Spider-Man wherever I could, uh, whenever I had an opportunity and could talk someone older with money into buying a new one. I did so, a lot of burn stealing during that area. Well, sure. I think all kids do a lot of burn stealing, to be honest. You know, your mom's next door at the dress shop. She's like, well, you just stay at Walden Books. I'm about to pick you up. Yeah, you just stand by that comic rack and, and read through it. So, uh, but also, I was also a huge fan of of um, uh, Sp- Spider-Man and his amazing friends, as Paul had already mentioned. Yeah. I loved, I loved Firestar. I loved Iron Man. I loved Spider-Man. I loved the episode where they cross over with the X-Men. Actually, it was a two-parter. I I just love that animated show. That, that definitely also fueled my love for him. Absolutely. What really built it for me outside of comics was some of the video games. Like the like Sega had uh, Maximum Carnage. And I remember playing through that game. And I've since then I've gone out and bought the huge, gigantic, you know, break your back trying to lift it trade paperback of the storyline. And they did a very good job in the game of actually giving you what was going on in the comics at the time. You know, I loved Maximum Carnage. I loved Carnage in general. I remember how excited everyone was when Carnage was coming out because Venom was still kind of hot, but he was turning into a good guy. And so that you were going to have Carnage. And that was a David Mitchell and Mark Bagley story, too. And, you know, there was a couple of issues before where Cletus Cassidy was in the cell yeah. with with uh, Eddie Brock and he mm-hmm. left and Eddie Brock escaped and left a little symbiote behind. and Everyone was all excited. This is the first appearance of Carnage. And it was really just like a black drip. You know, <laughs> yeah, <that's> nasty. <laughs> well, I remember when they first introduced him too. They was, uh, I think, Spider Man's fighting cardiac, and it was there was they were they had a bunch of stuff in the last few pages, building up to like the first appearance. And I remember how excited I was for Karn to show up. Like, oh yeah, and he only showed, and it was only a three issue arc when he first showed up. You know, nowadays that would be like an eleven issue arc, right? But uh, well, back then, hey, the rest storytelling. You, you got to let it breathe. You got to right. You got to let the story breathe. Yeah, decompress yeah. that thing. It, it'd take twenty five issues for for Carnage to to make his first appearance. Oh yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, so what were some of your favorite Spider Man stories? Yeah. So we talked about when we got in, how long we've been reading. It sounds like we've all been fans for for quite a while. At least you know. I, I, some of them, te- some of us, ten, twenty years or more. I, I I know that there are groans all across the internet when I say it, but the Clone Saga has got to be my favorite uh, uh, Spider-Man story. I'm with I, you. I, I went back I, afterwards and got it, but I everyone knows how big of a Scarlet Spider fan I am. Yeah, yeah, and I am. I you know I've got the I've got that all in trade of those gigantic freaking trades. Uh, I just absolutely love that storyline. And I know it is convoluted, and Marvel got in over their head on it and couldn't figure out a way to get out. Uh, but boy, I love that storyline. I have actually never read it. That, it is storyline. It I've is not read it either. It is so '90s. I mean, it is, is yeah. everything '90s about it. But it is John Romita Jr. at the top of his game. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he draws some beautiful pages in that. And they, they go places that, you know, Spider-Man had never gone before, you know. Uh, I just I, – I absolutely love those books. You know, it's the, it's the it explores some of the stuff that we see now in Scarlet Spider where, you know, what if Peter wasn't a nice guy, you know? What if Peter – what if you, you removed Uncle Ben from the picture, from his experience? What does that guy give you? Are what you if Peter it? slapped Mary Jane and – well, she was pregnant. Yeah, bitch needed to be slapped. She <laughs> keep that shit Wait. in check. <laughs> Are you trying to say Kane isn't a nice guy? He is not a nice guy. <laughs> what? Yeah, he is not a nice guy. I love that I mean, guy. That whole storyline brought us Kane. It brought us the yeah. Scarlet Spider that we knew back then. I mean, I loved most of it. I, I still won't touch Maximum Clonage, but other than that, <laughs> very good. Now, Maximum Clonage is the Ultimate series. Is that right? No, that was the a mini series within the regular Clone Saga. Oh, okay. Wow. It was really bad. <laughs> yeah, I remember well, that one. From clonage, what did you expect? Well, Do you remember it, when it's, it's, it's clonage turned to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember when, when Mary Jane started smoking and that was a big issue? Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Your mouth tastes like an ashtray. Ugh. I still remember that panel. Because Mary Jane <laughs> is a hoe. I I remember when she was going to be in the new Schwarzenheimer movie, and she had a nude scene. That was the same time period. That That was was the same time. That was Eric Larson. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. She started smoking. She had a nude scene in the movie. Now she owns a bar, and she's a hoer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my favorite Spider-Man stuff is the darker stuff, oddly enough. You know, I mean, everyone loves Spider-Man because he's so hopeful and cheery and happy and jokey. But, you know, I mentioned Craven's Last Hunt. I love Craven's Last Hunt. I love the reason. Good one. I love Shed oh, by Shed Zeb Wells. Yeah, Shed is um, Yeah. But, uh, you know, Grim I, Hunt. what I like is, is the range that the character has. Because, yeah. you know, we get to see, you know, Peter is kind of like the eternal optimist. You know, he always kind of returns to the glasses half full. But you, I love it when you when you get to take him from that high point of kind of like where where he had been with Horizon, you know that his life was really on track, and then you take him to those ultimate low points, and how he's still, you know, even though it would be so easy just to break that guy's neck, he shies away from it, you know, yeah. he just goes right up to the line, and, the, and he comes back, and then he's back to, you know, he's still a good guy, you know, I I just I, I love him. I love some of the original fa- stuff. I'm sorry. Talking all over each other here. I even want some of the original stuff. Like I've got a bunch of the essentials books uh-huh. yeah. where I've gone back to the, the beginning of amazing and read through those first two or three volumes of it. And yeah, it's dated and corny and the superhero part of it isn't very good. But even back then it was all character moments. Mm-hmm. You know, I got as far as Gwen Stacy coming in and you know, they're, their love-hate relationship early on, the introduction of Mary Jane and, you know, her behaviors. And it was really good books even back then. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is just something about this character that, you know, it doesn't matter what the era is. There's something in the book that I enjoy. You know, going back to the the range of Spider-Man, I I have one storyline of Spider-Man that I've read more than any other storyline of Spider-Man. And it is Peter Parker Spider-Man. Um, it was from 2002, issues 44 through 47. I don't even know if it's been collected in trade, uh, but it's written by Paul Jenkins with art by Umberto Ramos. I Our favorite. Yeah, I think it was Umberto Ramos's first time uh, drawing Spider-Man, and it was uh, Spider-Man versus the Green Goblin. 
and like it was a four issue arc and it ended essentially it, it, it had kind of a killing joke vibe to it it was a very dark storyline and it ends with basically them beating the hell out of each other to the point that they're both exhausted and it ends with just like this half issue long conversation between the two of them you know they're, they're both beaten beyond the point that they can't even fight anymore and they just talk for the for the last half of the issue hmm. um and you know and they like they they talk like normal human beings like green goblin tells a joke and they both end up cracking up and it's just this awesome awesome scene um you know, paul jenkins wrote an awesome spider-man in, in fact he worked with umberto ramos for uh for a little while after that on a I think it was a spectacular Spider-Man series uh-huh. where uh, Eddie Brock uh, had cancer. That's yeah. also a great story. Yeah, you know uh, there there used to be used to be you would have a, a Spider-Man book out every week. You know you had Spectacular Spider-Man, you had Amazing Spider-Man, you had Marvel Team Up, you had all these different you know Spider-Man books, Web of Spider-Man. But I really miss Marvel Team Up. Some of the, those were some of my favorite books. Where yeah. you know Spidey would just you know team up with a new hero every different you know every every month, you know from I remember one of my favorites was him fighting the villain Equinox, who's just a minor B villain, but he was a guy with ice powers like Iceman and fire powers like uh, uh, the Human Torch, and he teams up with Hank Pym as Yellow Jacket and Janet Van Dyne as the Wasp. And you know they, they you know when you when you go back and you don't realize who you're reading back in those days, but you know it's John Byrne. You know, well, and it's uh, John Byrne when he was doing some of his best stuff, like when he was doing Iron Fist. You, you know, know, and I tried. I know they tried to relaunch that. Uh, Robert Kirkman, yes, wrote it. Not nearly it just, as it, good a book. Yeah, it did not work for me. No, I guess it didn't work for a lot of people. It only lasted like twenty something issues. Yeah, it was but. not a good book. It did have uh, the only, as far as I know, the only Invincible and Marvel crossover ever, though. They actually yeah. did a. It fed directly into the Invincible storyline, and that was. Probably the best issue of that entire run. I don't think I read that, that one. one crossover. Yeah, they, they actually crossed over into each other's books. It was yeah. pretty crazy. And the two of them are making fun of each other's names, and they're really just uh, you know going at it. Did I just hear a Dalek? Was that our <laughs> new alien overlord? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be that is the ringtone on my phone, and yes, it's a Dalek. <laughs> what I miss are the untold tales. Yes. The uh, where they would bounce, you know, different eras of Spider-Man. You get a little bit here and there. Most of it was right there in those early eras. And it's just fleshing out those stories. Some of those were really good stories. You know, as much as I do miss some of these other stuff, you know, books, Spider-Man books, you know, like Spectacular Spider-Man and um, Untold Tales of Spider-Man. And they were just, you know, they, they've tried other things. They tried Spider-Man Tangled Web right. for a little while. I, I I have to say, the for, the current format of the biweekly book that is consistent in continuity and flow and story and theme and style yeah and theme and style it is something that I truly appreciate. One, it's nice not it's nice knowing that you're not going to cross over into a Spidey title that you're not collecting, you know, that you're not getting. Um, it's nice that it's the the same through beat, you know throughout the title versus you know spider-man's different over in this book yeah i mean you know it's something that dc's still doing with their multiple bat titles you know you have the same character in multiple books yeah um that and they they don't flow continuity wise no i I absolutely agree i just you know as much as i as i miss like marvel team up with spider-man uh i do like the way they they were handling amazing spider-man 
So I have a question for you, Paul. I, this is something I haven't seen. You know, Amazing Spider-Man 700, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's going to roll into Superior Spider-Man. Is that going to be a biweekly book as well? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, I believe the first artist is Ryan Stegman. Stegman. And I think Umberto Ramos follows up after him. Oh, and thank just, God. Uh, and Giuseppe <laughs> Camuncoli is the other artist. I think those are the three rotating artists. Just as long as we don't lose our boy Umberto. Umberto. I do love Umberto. I do too. Are you guys, you guys talking about all the stuff Spider-Man is featured in missed the best series that ever featured Spider-Man. In fact, one of the best series ever, and that is What If. Oh, uh, yeah. What if Spider-Man kept his cosmic powers? One of my favorite issues of all time. What if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? He did, and on top of that, the new Fantastic Four with Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, ah, uh, yes, Wolverine and Hulk. That I, I have, I still have all those. I mm-hmm. think somewhere. I wish I that stuff was great. Well, but you know, it, none of those can top the "What if the Marvel bullpen had the Fantastic Four's powers?" <laughs> 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 you know, I got to say, as much as I love the current run of Spider-Man, and it, it, it's uneven, so let's be honest. I mean, I have loved every whoa, issue. Whoa, whoa, I have not loved every issue of Dan Slott's Spider-Man. Well, okay, besides, what, what have you hated besides Alpha? Um, I could think, there were a couple of storylines. There was uh, the ghost of Gene DeWolf. Oh, I just want to stab you with my file right now. <laughs> Um, there were a couple of different stories that just did, I'm not saying they all sucked. I'm saying there were definitely some stories that weren't as good as others. How about that? I, um, I, I kid me. I love the one with, uh, cause you remember the story of Gene DeWolf, which is the one where, um, um, oh, uh, not Venom. Um, yeah, he is Venom, right? The guy with the white suit with the symbiote. Anti-Venom. Yeah. Anti-Venom. Anti-Venom. Right. Because where he's he against Spider-Man. Venom. Keep Spider-Man tied up for, you know, 12 hours. And the first thing Spider-Man does when he finally gets free is go to the bathroom. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Come on. Or, you know, Spider-Man's almost free. He's been, you know, fighting almost out of the webbing. Right as Andy Venom swings in, like, oh, no, you don't. He wraps him back up, takes him off. I, or it's like, I'll show you. I'll show you all as he goes running out the window. And Spider-Man's like, yeah, that's what sane people usually <laughs> say <laughs> as they storm off. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there have been some definite high points, especially right at oh. the beginning. I love the way it started. Big time um, was big, big time, time was when he, was it big time? Yeah, big time. Okay, that was the the black and green suit, and then it was followed up with a uh, Revenge of the Spider Slayers, which had art by Stefano Caselli. Um, but I gotta say, like um, the introducing the new Venom, I feel I am not so big on the, the the Venom book that spawned out of the series. No, I would agree. I, you know, there there have been things that I've liked about the the Agent Venom book, but uh, you know, featuring Flash Thompson, mm-hmm. but uh, it has been uneven at best. I'm yeah. glad the crossover with with uh, Scarlet Spider's over finally. But I gotta say, Scarlet Spider rolling out of the pages of oh, Amazing Spider Man yeah. has been fan fucking tastic. Yeah. Now, and, Luke, you read Scarlet Spider? I have not. Oh my God! It was on. It was just for sale for ninety nine cents too. Yeah, all the power, none of the responsibility. responsibility. <laughs> That's right. And I gotta say, I read Morbius the Living Vampire number one today. Pretty damn good. No, was it yeah, really? it was pretty no. damn good. I don't want to buy Morbius. I, How I just can that be good. Uh, one wasn't good. It it was at, it was pretty damn good. I, I I am in for number two. Aaron, this disturbs me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, but okay. I, I, 
I want to give Luke. Now I'm gonna give Luke just just a taste of what Scarlet Spider's like. Uh huh. Okay. So so this issue opens and he's you know he's decided he's gonna be a hero and he's out patrolling and he's sitting there sticking to a, a skyscraper there in Houston. When suddenly there's this big explosion out of this uh, nearby skyscraper and he's like you know he's watching these thousand pounds of flaming steel and concrete falling towards the ground. He's like man. I hate to be down there with those poor suckers. <laughs> yeah, down, down there, the ones that are all about to die. Damn it! <laughs> he goes diving off. That sounds awesome. But tell me, did you say he's in Houston? Yes, he's in Houston. Yeah. How do you have a, a Spider-Man book in a place with like what well, is there like two skyscrapers? And in that's when that comes about. in. Yeah, that <laughs> comes up as he runs out of buildings. <laughs> Well, it, it, he does it spectacularly at first. He's like swinging through, having a good time. All of a sudden, there's no buildings. He just yeah. face plants into the roof yeah. one. Well, and, and what, what's also great is, you know, he comments how frequently, you know, frequently on how hot it is. You know, it's just, oh, my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> Let's not forget one of my favorite moments of the early issues where he saves, you know, he saves a woman and she's like, how can I ever repay you? And then it cuts to them in bed. Yeah, he bangs her. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Does it keep the mask on? No. Nope. No. <laughs> he is not really worried about protecting the secret identity. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good book. I, I highly recommend Scarlet Spider. Oh, let's check it out. Yeah, I picked up the entire run actually this last week on Comicsology because I, I did read the first couple of issues and I dropped out and because of your recommendations and you guys are wholeheartedly giving it. I believe it was tied for a funny. Yeah. This uh, year. Best, uh, actually, I, I thought it won for best new hero. Oh, it won for Best Hero, but wasn't it also nominated for another one, like Best New Series or something? Who knows? Who listens to that stuff? Yeah. It's a shit show. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Let's talk about the, the, the book of the hour. Or the two hours, as it were. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you know, last week, the um, Dying Wish storyline from Amazing Spider-Man 698 through 700 concluded with the 799 cover price Amazing Spider-Man 700 uh, main story by Dan Slott Umberto Ramos a couple of backup features that no one gave a crap about um, <laughs> true <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't mean to be harsh but seriously they, yeah. they were terrible um, so let's talk about the, the, the main storyline though because okay. it, it was a big change spoilers big change spoiler warnings well, on yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> I mean, at this point, we're two weeks past from yeah. from the release of the book. So, but if, you know, I don't, don't want know. Dan Slott banning us. So, uh, sure. you know, he he takes that shit pretty seriously. And you know, he is currently on internet lockdown mm-hmm. and won't be returning to the internet until Superior Spider-Man number one releases on Wednesday. Really? So, yeah. He he is he is away from Twitter and has been since seven hundred came out. Yeah, he had so someone take be... his phone and change his Twitter password. Correct. Are you, where, do you guys, where did you guys hear this? It's on the webs. Yeah, but he actually he, said it right before. If he he's, said, how did he get into it if they changed his password? Because he sent a couple of last tweets. Oh. He says, after this tweet, someone is going to take my phone and change my password and not give it to me until... Yeah, his editor. His editor yeah. took the phone. Yeah, he wow. has a habit of getting it in, getting into it with people online. Yes, so it's probably for the best that he doesn't have his phone for. Well, and and he has aftermath. He has described before, uh, and he may actually have done this on our interview, Paul. But yeah, where where he has given his Xbox away, you know, yeah. to his editor to lock it up so he can actually finish writing. Yeah. So yeah, no, he he's on lockdown, but we just want to make sure that we're sensitive to our good friend Dan Slot 
friend of the show, Dan Slott. So, uh, <laughs> spoilers on Peter Parker dies. Just saying. No, so, no. Let's, let's Peter, briefly Peter, summarize it. Peter yes. Parker doesn't die. Well, he doesn't. His mind does. Ish. So, so let, let's briefly <laughs> summarize it. All right. so, so, Peter Parker and Doc Ock have switched minds. Peter Parker's mind. It's like Freaky Friday. Yes. Yeah. And Peter Parker is in the dying body of Dr. Octopus. Dr. Octopus is, yep. or Otto Octavius. And, and Dr. Octopus has been dying since issue 600. So, 100 yeah, but, issues but, later. Right. Yeah, finally also, dies. let's not forget this point that Doc Ock, for a while, was banging at May. And banging that. Oh, Peter yeah. has access to all those memories. Now he is banged. Ant-Man. That's right. Well, there's that great there's that great scene from issue two where she's like, "Oh, Otto, don't be silly. No one will ever know." <laughs> <laughs> so, at you know, the Peter has in the body of Octavius, you know, basically done some villainous things to try to get his body back. And there's this big confrontation in issue seven hundred where they're kind of trying to one up each other and get to each other. Or and, Octavius is trying to get away. Peter and Otto Sh- has the you know the, the the guy who's in Peter Parker's body, which is Otto, has the best idea. Octopus has got fifteen hours to live. I'm going to fly out of the country. I was like, <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I'm just she's not like, going to be here. She's like, I that's love, not. I, she's like, that's not a very long trip. Oh, for some people, that's a lifetime. <laughs> I, I got to say, I do love that. This is one of the first times I've seen an evil villain. Actually, genius be actually his genius actually coming yeah. to fruition. Like he has really, really good plans. Yeah. Well, I I love how effective Peter's ba- uh, a gang of bad guys is. You know, the Trapster, mm-hmm. Scorpion, Hider Man. They Pace are knocking Pacepot Pete. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. My hand, my life is in the hands of Pacepot Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but they are they are scary effective as yeah. he uh, as they go on their little rampage. So it culminates with Peter and and Doctor Octopus fighting, and Peter realizes basically Peter realizes that he's lost. Yeah, you know he, he literally is about to die. There is nothing he can do he's until run out he of finds time. Out. he's run out of time. Until he realizes that their brain their minds are still connected, and you know it, by the the proximity he can transfer all of his memories to Otto Octavius. And so what he does is he transfers. All of his memories, all of his pain, all of his responsive, all basically everything that made Peter Parker the responsible human he is um, to Otto Octavius. And basically Otto Octavius has then had the revelation that with great power must come great responsibility and has promised to live his life as Spider-Man to be a, a better Spider-Man than Peter Parker, but and, to follow the same general morals. In fact, a superior Spider-Man. Correct. Right. So, um, what did you guys think of this, uh, the storyline? Well, I, oh, go ahead. Andy. No, you go. You go. Okay. okay. I, 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 go. I enjoyed the first issue, of uh, the final issue of the storyline. I enjoyed 700, but, and, and I could tell you why in greater detail if you want, but at the end, I don't, I think I'm done. I don't, I don't think I need to read anything after this. I think yeah. the storyline has come to a close and the idea of reading the story of Otto Octavius in Peter's body, I, I don't think I'm in any way interested. Even though I kind of like how it wrapped up, because you know I think most people thought, oh well, Peter's going to get back into his own body or he's going to die. And so it was kind of a, a melding of those things where Peter did die, but he also kind of got back into his body. So, but I, I'm not, I have zero interest in reading Superior Spider-Man. 
I would have to kind of agree with that point in the fact that my initial impression of reading that was I was almost sickened by it. Like, what? Yeah. Like, I don't want to see Otto in Peter's body being Spider-Man. Like, and my first thought is, okay, when has Peter Parker, when has having Spider-Man being replaced by somebody ever actually worked out well? Um, Clone Tag. Well, arguably. <laughs> Miles, Miles Morales. Yeah. But, That's uh, the ultimate... <laughs> I like I like Peter Parker and I I I love the whole the whole shtick with Horizon and everything they've been doing, but at the same time I can see why like okay, where do you go with a guy who kind of you know Spider Man's life is on track he kind of has everything there's not a lot of struggle there left so you got to do something mm-hmm. I don't know if this was the right thing but I don't really have a lot of interest in Superior Spider Man either I mean it just kind of feels like oh well it's done I, it isn't did he sell his soul to you guys would know. Did he sell his soul to Mephisto? Is he in hell now? He didn't sell his soul. He, made he sold his marriage. Yeah, because that's something Mephisto would really be interested in. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I for I really enjoyed 700. And let me clarify, as, as Andrew did, the Dan Slott story in 700. Uh, <laughs> I thought the backups were terrible. But um, – the primary story I thought was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I loved how, you know, Peter fought on every single page, you know, and, and just like Luke was saying, you know, you had a super genius who is actually a super genius and Hey, he got over on this guy and why? Because he had so much time to plan. You know, I, I just, I, I, I really thought it was a strong story. I do think that 700 is one of those, one of those kinds of, daring moves on the part of the publisher because it's such a wonderful jumping off point, you know, just like, you know, Luke and Andrew have said, you know, this is a boop, story's been told I'm out. You know, I, I think it's easy to, to say that, you know, you're not going to, you know, give superior a try. Now, the only reason I'm going to give superior a try is because I've enjoyed what Dan slots done so much. Uh, and I, I just, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. So Wayne, I'll let Wayne go next before okay. I go. Well, I think there were a couple things that could have happened that would have made me like like the issue more. Uh, I did think it wrapped it up nicely. I love that Doc was just going to get on a plane. I think if he would have got on the plane, that may have been an even better ending than the one that we, we had here. Mm-hmm. Just the, he actually spends the time in the air the whole time. <laughs> and they, you know, and that would be his final victory. Uh, if this, If the bot would have switched their minds at the end... And Peter would have given up being Spider-Man because he had made the choice to kill. Because he already said at that point, he said, you know, Ock has won. Even getting my body back, I can never be Spider-Man because I just made this choice. So if that would have happened, I would have, you know, I would have enjoyed that ending better. Ock and Spider-Man's body with this sense of, and that's the thing is, I don't, I just don't buy this. I don't buy this at all. I don't buy that Peter can give him portions of his memories because he already has his memories but i don't buy that he can force feed him these sections of memory and have it make that big of a difference to someone like ock i just don't buy that at all and the idea of this ock spider-man that we're going to have in superior spider-man if i want a spider-man without the responsibility or a darker spider-man i've already got that with kane scarlet spider is that spider-man for me i don't need that in the main spider-man book i kind of i mean I've en- I enjoyed the stories leading up to this. I'm going to give Superior Spider-Man an issue. I'm going to give it a try, but I'm not excited about it at all. It kind of feels like, well, it kind of feels like they killed Spider-Man. 
that yeah. this new Spider-Man, this is not Spider-Man. This is not the core concept of the character anymore. It's not the character that I know and love. Well, but, you know, it's comics. We're going to get Peter Parker back. Oh, yeah. But for a little while, we're going to get to enjoy Dr. Octopus as Spider-Man. No, I think this one. I think this time it's going to stick, Aaron. Yeah, do you think? <laughs> I think. I think this time the death is going to stick. It's going to stick. I give it eighteen issues. <laughs> I mean, he'll be back. We all know he'll be back. The only real question is, do you spend your money on Superior until Amazing comes back? Well, I think issue one that next week is is going to tell the tale. And that's where I'm at too. It's getting issue one. Yeah. I'm going to give it a fair chance, but I'm not excited about it. To so Paul. So I don't give it eighteen issues. I give it one issue. Honestly, I I think by the end of the first issue, we will already see the seeds planted for Peter Parker's return. In fact, we've already seen them in Avenging Spider-Man 15.1. So, you know, what's that? (laughs) So Avenging Spider-Man 15.1 is kind of an epilogue to Amazing Spider-Man 700. And it features basically Doc Ock's first day or first week as um, as Peter Parker as Spider-Man. So it, it takes place right after, and it, it is almost like an Avenging Spider-Man or um, uh, Superior Spider-Man issue zero, uh, written by Christopher Yost with art by Paco Medina. But before I get into that, uh, you know, my thoughts on issue seven hundred. I don't have a problem with the story, um, with the overall story arc. Doc Ock taking over Spider-Man's body, Peter Parker dying. You know, okay, you know, so they got the mind switch thing. It's a story. I mean, just like any other comic story, it'll eventually come, you know, Peter Parker will eventually come back. I get that. I've got no problem with it. I do have a problem with the writing of the story arc, though. I felt it was really rushed. And uh, to, to agree with Wayne, I don't buy it. I don't buy that Peter Parker basically pumped all his memories into Dr. Octopus's head and made Doc Ock a good person. Because, honestly, Doc Ock already had a tragic life growing up. Um, you know, he didn't have a life that was he didn't have a life of luxury or anything like that he had a very tragic life growing up you know much like spider-man's life uh, much like peter parker's life and yet he became a villain so i don't see how spider-man's experiences turn that around um so i mean i i just I, so that aspect of the storyline i felt I, I felt was rushed i would have liked to have seen that you know, have that have more room to grow or just see Doc Ock as not a redeemable character, you know, just keep him as Doc Ock um, in Spider-Man's body. One thing is, you know, you did start to see that before the end of the issue. I mean, there was that point where uh, Gargan was threatening Aunt May and, you know, Doc Ock, Spider-Man, you know, lays him out and says, don't you dare touch that sweet little lady. And he's like, (laughs) wait, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, and and there's more of that in Avenging Spider-Man 15.1. So that brings me to that, where you see Doc Ock literally having flashbacks and moments of of his body acting without him realizing it. Right. You know, he'll just be walking down the street and he stops a crime and he's like, "What just happened?" Um. So you know, it kind. Of, I talked a couple of, I think about a month ago, how I felt that we were going to kind of see a firestorm type thing with two characters fighting for the same body. I think that's what we're going to see. I think that's exactly how Peter Parker comes back. Yeah. And I I think we'll see that by the end of issue one of Uh, superior Spider-Man. I think we will see if not, if not Peter Parker within the, you know, within doc Ock's head talking to him as like a split personality or something, we will see the hints of Peter Parker still in that body. 
You know, I'm I not, think you might be right. I'm. I think that is a good guess, Paul. I think maybe the last issue will be Peter's voice in Doc's head, or the last page, the last image we see of that first issue, might very well be Peter's voice in Doc's head. Especially since Dan Slott's already saying the last page of Superior Spider, you know, believe him. Wait till the last page of Superior Spider-Man number one that he has a plan. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I don't. Neither am I jazzed about the idea of of you know Otto and Peter body sharing either. I mean, it just doesn't. It didn't interest me when I read Firestorm. It doesn't really interest me now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting story. Now, how long do I think I can stay on for it? I think. It depends on how well it's written. Yeah. Because like you guys said, we've already got a Dark Spider-Man. We've already got Scarlet Spider that we're enjoying. Oh, yeah. And I got to be honest, after reading, and Chris Yost, who writes Scarlet Spider, wrote Avenging Spider-Man 15.1, and I got to say, Otto Octavius Octavius Spider-Man is not all that interesting. Oh, you didn't enjoy Avenging Spider-Man? I enjoyed Avenging Spider-Man, but I don't like the character's monologue. Yeah, I don't we, like the it, way it made, Otto Octavius talks. I mean, I don't like he, – he talks like a supervillain and like a cheesy supervillain, and I don't like that. He may have a different characterization with Dan Slott, right, yeah. and then versus Chris Yost. Yeah, that I would mean, be my guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, Chris Yost was doing this one issue to bridge, and then you know, Dan, yeah. it's going to be back in Dan Slott's hands. I am but happy to give Dan Slott the, the one issue to see if, I, if, if he interests me. As much as I love Dan Slott, if I were not on a comic book podcast, I would not pick it up. But I am on a comic book podcast, so I will most certainly pick it up so that we can talk about it. But I, uh, I'm, I am less than excited about, it. much, much less than excited about it. So, but, Luke, Aaron, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Paul. I was going to say, in response to your question, for those of you who have not read Avenging Spider-Man 15.1, personally, I actually enjoyed it more than Amazing Spider-Man 700. Really. I did. Didn't you just say you didn't like the monologue, though? You didn't like I how didn't the character like, acted? Yeah, but I, I, I didn't like the writing of Amazing Spider-Man 700, either. I mm. liked the arc, but I didn't like the way the story wrapped up. I didn't like the way it was rushed, and I didn't I didn't find it believable. And though I didn't like the character's internal monologue in, in Avenging Spider-Man 15.1, I do think it's an it's more it's a more interesting story than i got out of amazing spider-man 700 you know and it's sad you feel that way paul because uh when you look at it 698 might have been the best issue of amazing spider-man that dan slot has ever written the first was, issue of the storyline was so right. good mm-hmm. and to have you know the ending i i agree with you I, I had some real issues with the writing on the ending well, you know, we talk about how hard it is to be surprised by things in comic books with all the spoilers on the Internet and through even newspapers and, you know, companies spoiling their own product ahead of time with news releases. But, I mean, on 698 that Wayne's talking about, I mean, I that just had that punch in the gut on that last page when you find out that Peter's inside uh, Ox body. Yeah, I wasn't spoiled on that. I, I was. I, I already knew about it going in, and it really enhanced my enjoyment of the book, I think. No. And I somehow managed not to get spoiled on 700. Nor did I. Yeah. So Be, Luke, being a hermit helps. So Luke, <laughs> yeah, are you going to read Superior Number One? I'll check it out. I mean, I'm not. I, I fall in line with everybody here, I think, and that I'm not terribly excited about it. But I'll still see what he has to offer. Yeah. Well, good deal. I mean, I'll check it out. It, I mean, to me, it's another storyline. Though it has a number one, it's just another storyline in the dance slot saga of Spidey. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that, you know, obviously we're going to get Peter Parker back at some point and, you know, maybe that's going to be, you know, sooner rather than later. But, you know, I've, I've had faith in, in Dan Slott this far. I'm going to have faith in him a little bit longer. So it would be it would be good to see if Otto was terrible at being Peter Parker and just effed up his life and went his own way. And then when Peter got his body back, like he's hmm. got. He's got a mess to handle. Like, yeah. what? Why am I goth now and enrolled in? Why am I teaching at this university? <laughs> <laughs> community college. Yeah, community college. <laughs> <laughs> well, Luke, thanks so much for turning out. Well, thanks for having me. It was good to hang with you all. Yeah, we should do this again. I would agree. I need to read more comics. <laughs> Please do. Please <laughs> do, and then we'll my, have you back. I kind of blew my load, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, read some more, and then we'll have you back. Gotcha. Well, I did read all the Avengers vs. X-Men stuff. Oh, why? Why? <laughs> because I like the X-Men, as I mentioned, and then at the end, I'm like, why did I read all those? That wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I read, I think, the first four and then jumped off. I mean, I'm not, I'm not faulting you for trying it, but you know, after you come down from that first high and you realize that <laughs> what you've done, you, you really got to hop off the, hop off that horse. See, I'm a completionist. I felt, I felt committed. Like, well, I got the first four. I might as well just keep going. Yeah, you might as well buy eight more. Yeah, you might as well buy it more, and, and just maybe one of them will be really good. No. Might as, well, might as well throw some good money after bad. Hey, there were a there couple you... of good Infinite comics in there. Oh, no, the, I like the Infinite comics. Yeah, yeah the Infinite yeah, comics You can buy good. the Infinite comics separately. Just yeah, now you, don't have to, now you don't have to read uh, AVX. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, like we mentioned, Superior Spider-Man number one comes out next week, and we'll be talking about that one. I'm assuming we'll probably have some leftover energy to talk about New Avengers number one, Aaron. Most likely. Most likely. So uh, you know, we should really talk about the Aquaman JL uh, Justice League crossover, uh, or I guess we could not and just just spite John. Yeah, just stick it to him. <laughs> just stick it to him. <laughs> stick it to him. That's right. Well, all right, guys. Good show, everybody. Good hustle. Good hustle. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Catch you later. We're out. Bye. Ideallyimagine.com. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.